talk fast, you listen fast. Matthew chapter 28, the, uh, chapter 27, I'm sorry. The, um, the story is this. You, you already know it, so I'm just going to kind of retell it to you. Uh, I hear this a lot. I preach it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. How many of you could quote that verse for me? John 3, 16. Most of you could quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we hear it, we hear it, we hear it, and we start taking it for granted. And the choir has given us a great rejoicing of, of what God has done. And I want to remind us of why it is that uh, that verse and its truth should impact us so much by reminding us of what was behind the scene. Uh, in John 3, 16, we, we hear that, you know, God loves us. And when we're aware of it, so much so that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus died for our sins, those kinds of statements roll out of our mouths like second nature. We don't even think about them. And so today I want us to stop and, and pause and think about the crucifixion for just a moment. Uh, to think about what was involved when the Bible says that God loved us so much. If we were just to boil it down to just this one event, and by the way, it's beyond that. It goes... God loves us and shows us every day of our lives how much he loves us. God loved us from the very beginning so that before the foundations of the world were laid, the Bible says that Christ had died for our sin. Uh, it was already planned, already ready to happen. But uh, let's kind of walk through and see what happened here as we're in uh, Matthew chapter 27. And we'll start in verse 25. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us. Now the people are saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And we're coming in the middle of the story. Jesus has been presented uh, and Pilate says, should I release to you Jesus or should I release to you uh, Barabbas? And, and they're saying, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. And this is where we're coming into the story. And he says, his blood be upon, they said, his blood be upon us and our children. Then at verse 26, it says, he released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And I want to kind of walk us through now the path of what begins to happen to Christ because he loves us. When we say, for God so loved, that what is involved in that? The first thing the Bible says that they did was to scourge Jesus. Uh, as best we know in history, a scourge, a cat of nine tails, uh, was a stick with nine individual whips coming out of the end of it. And in one of those whips, they would uh, weave pieces of broken bone. In another one, they would weave pieces of broken pottery. In another one, pieces of rock and pieces of glass. And the Romans, uh, I've been to the Colosseum, the Romans were really good at uh, torturing people and bringing people to the very point of death and not killing them so that they could extend out this sport that they had. They, made, they had made killing people a sport. And literally thousands of people would gather in the uh, Colosseum to watch these events take place, these kinds of things happen. So they were very good at what they were doing. And they would take this scourge and they would lash it across someone's back and all of those things that were woven into those, those, that kind of nine tails would grab hold of skin and rip it as it came across. And a typical Roman scourge was 39 lashes. Nine whips, 39 lashes. So that um, by the time you get to the end of this, if you were to look at the back of Jesus, there would be skin and muscle literally shredded and hanging. His backside and the back of his legs would be shredded. Some of those whips would wrap around the body and latch onto his chest and rip the flesh from his chest. 
for God so loved John Ray. The Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible says that after they scourged him, they stripped him, verse 28, and put on him a scarlet robe and plaited a crown of thorns. Now, I have seen, in fact, I have a crown of thorns in my office. Um, these thorns are not like rose bushes. These thorns are this long, and they weave them together. And uh, I believe they would weave them together in such a way that the points of the thorns would point down because they want to cause pain. That's what they're trying to do. And when they would go over and place this upon Christ's head, they did not just delicately place it there, but in intent to cause pain, they would place it on his head and push it down. And those thorns would dig into his scalp and peel back the skin. And later on in the story, the Bible says they took the reed they put in his hand and began to hit him on the head with this stick that he was carrying as a pretend scepter as they're making fun of him as a mocking king and they're beating this crown of thorns and I, I in my mind envision these thorns coming down and piercing through and poking into his eye and down into his cheek tearing off part of his ear for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and if the story ended there, we would be saying, wow, Jesus must have really loved me. But the story isn't ending. The Bible says that they began to mock him again, and they would hit him in the face, and they would say, if you're really the Son of God, tell us who it is that's hitting you. They would blindfold him and hit him and hit him, and his lips would split open, his nose would begin to bleed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. They take this cross and they put it on his back and they ask him to carry it up the hill, his back that is looking like raw hamburger. And I can't again prove these things. This I know. The Bible says he laid down his life for us. This was voluntary. So I know what it didn't look like. They didn't get to the top of the hill and the soldiers are wrestling with Jesus and Jesus is struggling and fighting them as they try to pin him down to the cross. That is not what it looked like. He laid down his life for us. And I imagine as the cross is laying there on the ground that Christ walks over and lays himself on it and volunteered to be crucified because God so loved John Ray that he gave his only begotten son. They lift the cross, having nailed his hands and his feet to the cross. They lift it, and a Roman soldier begins to kick as the base of that cross is nearing closer to a hole. And one final kick, and the cross drops down into that hole, and every joint, the Bible says, in our Savior's body was pulled out of the socket. And for six hours, six hours he hangs there struggling to breathe bleeding and he utters some things from the cross that you'll remember father forgive them for they know not what they do for God so loved the world
that he gave his only begotten son. I think we take for granted too often what Christ did so that you and I might have a wonderful gift of eternal life. His last words on the cross were three. It is finished. And the payment for my sin and for the sins of the whole world was paid on the cross that day. And we know for a fact that it was worthy of our sin when three days later the stone was rolled away and our Savior who had faced death and sin and hell for our sakes proved that he had defeated death and sin and hell and the grave by walking out of that tomb. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as, my, as your Savior, can I just encourage you with this? This is what it meant when God penned those words that we all could quote, for God so loved the world. It is that Christ suffered and bled and died because I don't understand it. I don't know why. But in the eons of time, Christ looked ahead, saw John Ray, and said, He's worth me dying for. I'll do it. And he died for my sins and for yours. And the Bible says if we will believe on him, that our sins will be forgiven. And will be given the gift of eternal life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. Is that